I love the topic tonight from the virtual Bible study. Well, you're just, or a, maybe the topic is love. Is that what you're I'm, just a loving kind of oh, a guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about love on the virtual Bible study tonight. We're going to talk about, we're going to especially concentrate on the description uh, of love that's offered in first Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, it, it has so much to say about the, what we're calling the characteristics of genuine love. All right. It's going to be an important discussion. You'll want to stay tuned. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday january 21st 2021 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight kyle's behind the controls welcome kyle it's good to be here. glad that you're here kyle glad that you're listening tonight and we look forward to you participating at eight seven seven three eight one four five Six, seven questions at collegeview.com and in the chat window to the bottom of your video feed if you're watching us live. And we'll remind you that email address is active 24-7. Anytime you may be listening to this program, even if it's well after the fact, we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments or if you'd like to suggest a future topic of discussion on the virtual Bible study. Questions at collegeview.com is email address to use. I guess you're going to cease and desist with your calendar promotion. Yeah, we're not promoting the calendars anymore, but um, we it's, it's available on our website, and you can you can actually every day get your reading assignment off of the website. So we just really do, even though we won't be promoting the Bible reading calendar. We're still promoting we are, Bible reading. We promote Bible reading. That's that right. never goes out of style. That's exactly right. All right. And uh, bumper stickers, if you want a bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah. Help us get the word out. And if you're in the vicinity of Columbia, Tennessee, come and see us. All right. We say that as well. Okay. Questions at collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com is the email address. Using Some of our listeners may never have been to our website. They may be listening on the podcast. Never been. Yeah. Uh, Check it out. Lots of good resources on there. Uh, We'll talk about those as we go along. Uh, Our topic for discussion tonight. We're going to talk about love. Uh, It's an important it's an important thing, obviously. Uh, in, in fact, our discipleship is defined by love. The, you know, G- Jesus said that men would know that we are his disciples if we have love one for another. Isn't that something? And so it, it's a really important subject that maybe we don't spend enough time discussing. We talk about a lot of other necessities. You know, we talk about uh, baptism. We talk about pr- proper acts of worship. We talk about Bible authority and various aspects. But maybe we, and to my knowledge, we have never addressed the the topic of love just to to define and talk about the application of love. Um, so I, I think it's an important thing for us. And and uh, that that passage that uh, uh, I was mentioning is in John Gospel of John chapter thirteen. Uh, Verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And so really, love and the proper application of love ought to be uh, uh, sort of an identifying attribute 
of the true disciples of Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think that we probably have mastered that very well yet, and so it certainly deserves discussion. All right. It is important discussion. You outlined some things for us to talk about uh, tonight. Okay. First off, and I'm not going to read through. Uh, first question is, what are the Greek words that are translated love in our English Bibles? I, I probably should have said in our English New Testaments because yep. there are some Hebrew words. We're going to concentrate on Greek words and New Testament words. So, well, I did say list the Greek words that are translated as love in our English Bibles, New Testaments. They give a scripture reference and a brief definition of each one. Question two was briefly comment on each attribute of agape love as found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. That's where we'll spend the majority of our time tonight. And then, uh, as a final consideration, if, if, so I'm supposed to love my brother. We're supposed to have love for one another. And does that, does that kind of genuine love cause me then to just overlook, uh, if you do something wrong, if you have a yeah. fault, I just overlook it because I love you. Uh, and we need to talk about that a little bit. All right. Uh, look forward to your comments. If you'd like to sign in the chat room and comment with other listeners tonight, we'll welcome you there. Uh, so we've got uh, we've got a, an interesting thing here with the Greek words for love. Lots of different words. You know, it's sort of flat, one-dimensional in the English language. Love is, you know, you could use that word for an ice cream cone. You could use it for your wife. You could use it for God. Uh, a lot different in the Greek language. Yeah, I, I love ice cream, and I love my wife. Yeah. Is that the same thing? Yeah. You know, uh, in English, we use exactly the same word. Greek was a much more expressive language and more um, specific, more detailed, more accurate language. Some people, and I think it's probably a, a fair observation, think that this was part of the coming together of the perfect timing uh, for Christ to come and for the gospel to be preached and for the for the church to be begun in the first century because Greek, Koine Greek, the common Greek, was effectively a universal language of the day. There hasn't been one since. The closest that's ever come is English today. English is as close to a universal language today uh, as has been, but it, it but it, it it doesn't compare to the Greek in the first century. Koine Greek, the common Greek, and and what's interesting is that that became a dead language. You know, words in in a living fluid language words change meaning I, I was illustrating this a while back in a sermon i said I, I i had fixed something at the house and some of you kids were over and and somebody said that's sick and i thought it kind of hurt my feelings when they said that's sick I, I didn't i didn't say that no but, but, some, but maybe some of the younger <laughs> some family. of those whippersnappers yeah, right, said right. that and actually that is supposed to be a compliment you know so here's sick that I think of as sick and sick today, the kids use that word to mean it's good. Yep. You know, yep. uh, even the word bad. You know, somebody says, oh, that's bad. <laughs> bad means good. I, I, I can't keep up you're, with it. Yeah, all. you're totally out of phase <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, but in the in the Greek of the New Testament, the words have been cemented in place. Their meaning is fixed, and it's not changing. That's very significant. Yeah, and we don't need to take that for granted. That uh, we have, we can be confident in what the words mean uh, because they haven't been migrating over time like the English words. Yeah, have. yeah. yeah. So again, uh, the, the the Greek of the, of of the first century was really an intricate. I mean, it had intricacy of meaning. It had uh, shades of difference between terms. There are there are. I understand. I'm not a Greek scholar by any means whatsoever, but I understand there are six words, six Greek words for love 
But my understanding is that only three of them are used in the New Testament. Okay. Uh, so we're just going to kind of focus what? on those three words. Uh, the first of them is storge, and it's roughly defined as family affection. And you find it in Romans chapter 1, verse 31, where Paul was listing the sins of, the, of that time. And he says, concerning the evil men of that time, without understanding, uh, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. The natural affection. It's the kind of, this word, storge, would, would be the kind of love that a mother has for her newborn child. An instinctive love, a, a, a family bond. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, expanded on the definition. He says it's empathy, a family bond, a natural affection. Yeah. So they were without storge in that uh, passage you mentioned, without yeah. natural yeah. affection. Yeah, First, okay. uh, Romans one thirty one. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, the, 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 the second word is phila or philos, and you can almost see in that word. You know, a lot of our English words have Greek and Latin origins. I, st- I had a class in high school, a, a one-semester class that was really a good class. It was a vocabulary class, actually, but it was Latin and Greek derivatives. That was the name of the class. And so all we did was study words, and, and you got to where you could recognize the roots in these different words, and you could almost make out the definition if you just knew what those roots were. Well, phila or philos, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. What is Philadelphia? The city of brotherly love, right? Yeah. So, and, and it has that root in it. And so, uh, the, the word phila or philos means genuine affection, heartfelt love. Uh, uh, in John chapter 20, verse 2, Mary ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them. So, Mary was going to report the resurrection taking place. And John identified himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, and he used the, the phila or philos uh, term there. And it's, it, it's a great word. It's, it's, it's a very good thing. And we are encouraged to, to have that sort of feeling for one another. Brotherly love, philos, uh, is, is in, uh, in John chapter 11, verse 3, uh, Lazarus's sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. We know he went ahead to die, and Jesus raised him from the dead. But Mary and Martha identified Lazarus to Jesus, the one that you love is mm-hmm. sick. Okay. It's a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if Kent says it's a bond of friendship, and so you get that idea there. Yeah. Uh, now he mentions in his in his email he mentioned another word. One of the one of the other Greek words for love that's not in the New Testament is the word eros, mm-hmm. and it, it refers to romantic love. Mm-hmm. It is actually in the root of our English word erotic mm-hmm. and talks about sexual love and so forth. But that's not, that's not used in the New Testament. Okay. And one And more. then the one that I think, you know, a lot of us are not great students of the Greek, but we know a few Greek words, and uh, one of the Greek words that a lot of people know is agape. Mm-hmm. Agape. Uh, and it is the noblest form of love. It's the highest of the loves. William Barclay said, agape has to do with the mind. It is not simply an emotion which rises un- unbidden, uh, or excuse me, 
can already read my own writing. But uh, so let me start over. Agape has to do with the mind. It is not simply an emotion which rises unbidden from our hearts. It is a principle by which we deliberately live. Um, and so uh, we we de- we make a determination to love. It's an act of the will. It's not an act of the emotion. You know, we so often in our culture think of love as an emotional thing. You know, this boy and a girl, it, man, it was like fireworks when they met. It was love at first sight, you know. Uh, it's an emotion. It's all about emotions. Uh, agape is not about emotions. It's about a determination, a, a, a Exercising your will to act to affect the good of the other uh, of the object of your love. Well, you talk about that. That's that passage you read in John thirteen thirty four. Jesus commanding us to love. That's agape. Yeah. And how you can't command something that's just an emotion that you just fall. You know, saying fall. Into. I just don't feel it. Yeah. I mean, well, I, that's emotion, but I can love. Here's a here's a place where it's used. Matthew five forty four. I say to you, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's agape. I I can. Have agape love even for my enemies. I don't have a a, a, a a gooey emotional love for my enemies, but I can have agape love for my enemies and seek what's best for him. That's right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com in the chat room. Kent says this word expresses the concept of love in its highest form. It is not an emotion. It is used regarding a will to do good. That is sacrificial love, putting another's interest above self. Yeah, and I like the use of the word sacrificial there, which I think is really an important consideration. You know, it's it, if if you're you're willing to do what the 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 object of your love needs, what's in his or her best interest, even if it means sacrificing your interest to accomplish what's best in their interest. That's agape love, and it's the love that we're commanded to have for others, even those who are our enemies and so we need to look at what this is all about because this command i need to be i need to have it in my life what what what's it about yeah and so the three words the three greek words in our new that are translated love in our new testament storge which is family love family affection natural affection phila or philos which is genuine affection uh, but it's it's more of an emotional thing, a, a deep bond of affection. You know, you really like this person. You're really, really tight, really close with this person. Uh, it's a good thing. It's good. It's a heartfelt love. But the highest form is agape. Uh, and that's the one we want to really spend our time talking about because we have an exhaustive definition of agape love. In First Corinthians chapter 13, uh, we're going to look at, when we come back from the break, we're going to look at First Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And we're going to follow the New American Standard Version in this discussion. The, the, you may know that the King James there uses the word charity. It's, uh, talk about an English word changing meaning. True. There's a good example of it. But uh, the word in, in uh, the King James Version is uh Agape uh, is is love from the the Greek term agape. All right, we'll get on that on the other side. We're just going to go down First Corinthians chapter thirteen and look at the characteristics. Maybe some time for us to do some self evaluation and see how we're doing on that command to agape others. And we're going to get started right after this break. 
You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Here's a quick thought. Though a man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. Standing with others of like precious faith will strengthen you. Don't try to go it alone. God never intended for us to do that. God tells us there is strength in numbers. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. If your religion leaves your life unchanged, you better change your religion. A skunk and a rose are known in part by the scent they emit. In a similar way, God can see our lives as, quote, a sweet-smelling savor, unquote, or as a disgusting odor, Amos 5.21 and Ephesians 5, verse 2. So to him, which are you, a skunk or a rose? Man, wish I'd said that. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program now. Are you a little self-conscious about talking after you hear Harv there on that? I'm going to tell you, that guy has got some real pipes. Uh, he's got a good radio voice. And we've been in contact with Harv to do some recording for us, and I hope that he'll be able to do that soon. Kyle, can you do anything special with uh, some like some processing over there to make us sound a little different? Can, put, can you can you, you play with little, those yeah, equalizers and see if you a little bass there, if you don't mind, no, or something. I'll make you sound like robots. No. Okay. Nah, no, yeah. uh, well, it is what it is at this point. We're not going to change. All right. Let's talk about love. Okay. So um, we won't we won't take time to read the text of First Corinthians chapter. 13 verses 4 through 8. We'll just start down through it. And again, uh, I suggested and, and the list that I put in the questions, uh, I suggested that we should just follow the listing as worded in the New American Standard Version. Um, so verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 starts out by saying, love is patient. Um, Love is patient. That's the same word that's translated some other places. The same Greek word is translated some other places as long-suffering. And literally, the patience or long-suffering, literally, it means it takes a long time to get angry. Uh, so the, if you have agape love for someone, you're not, you're not going to get mad at them in a hurry. It takes a long time to get angry with that person that you love. Agape makes your fuse longer, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you love waits. It attempts to win over one's adversary. I, I had a note about sort of an interesting historical uh, situation. Edward Stanton, he was a political opponent of Abraham Lincoln. And in, in their campaigns against one another for the presidency, Stanton called... Abraham Lincoln, a clown, even called him an ape and made fun of his appearance. But when Lincoln became president, he made him secretary of war because he said he was the best man for the job. Mm. So he was patient toward this guy who had been belittling him, making yeah, fun of yeah, him. Yeah. Later, when Lincoln died, Stanton spoke at his funeral and said, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. He won him over. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, the idea of, of patience, uh, I'm not going to get mad at you in a hurry if I have agape love for you. Okay. All right. 
Uh, what is what Kent said? We Kent only said, got one email today. Kent's our only emailer today. Kent says, uh, love is patient. It is long-suffering, demonstrating forbearance. Okay. You know, that, that, there's a compound word for you that gives you lots of mental pictures. Long-suffering. I don't have to, I don't have to be patient with things that are comfortable, but I have to be patient with things that I are very difficult or painful for or me. So, in other words, if it's, if it's pleasant, I don't have to, I don't have to exercise any yeah. patience about that at all. Yeah. But if it's difficult, yeah. if it causes suffering of one form or another, physical or emotional, spiritual, then I have to be long-suffering. That's right. All right. The second word, still in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is kind. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen recently, I've seen some signs, even some yard signs, people putting signs out there, be kind. Well, that's a good thing. I'm sure that that's a good thing. I don't know. If everybody really understands the actual meaning of kindness, mm-hmm. but it incorporates attributes like friendliness and compassion and generosity and tenderness. Uh, and, and so there's, there's, there's a lot to being kind. Uh, Proverbs 19 verse 22. Proverbs 19 verse 22 says, the desire of a man is his kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar. So if I if I have kindness, then that affects the things that I want and uh, and and especially what I want for you, because we're talking about agape being directed toward the to the recipient of this love. Uh, so uh, true kindness would alleviate a lot of problems. All right. Um, here's what Kent says. It's a disposition of helpfulness. Helpfulness. Okay. I yeah. think that would be in there too. Okay. Uh, so, uh, when we see those yard signs that say, uh, just be kind, it's good. That's even scriptural admonition. Uh, we ought to work on that. Okay. So friendly, compassionate, generous, tenderhearted. The next one, first Corinthians 13, four says, love is not jealous. Uh, I think some other translations say love envieth not. Mm-hmm. And so you think of jealousy or envy as as the the idea of being displeased when someone else prospers or does well. Yes. I'm jealous. I'm envious of that person. If, if that's true, if that's ever true, to whatever extent that's true of me, then I don't have agape yes. love. Exactly. I'll tell you, that jealousy or envy has caused lots of trouble. It's destroyed homes. It's destroyed families. It's destroyed churches. Uh, envy or jealousy is a horrible thing. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 18, uh, Pilate was trying to figure out a way to release Jesus because he knew he was an innocent man. And it says in Matthew 27, verse 18, he knew that for envy... They had delivered him. And I think that's the same Greek word here as jealousy. And so it was even it was even a principal factor in the death of our Savior. Evil men had this terrible attribute. Obviously, they were completely devoid of agape love for Jesus. Uh, and envy was was what they had instead. Romans 12, verse 15 is a good test for us to see if we have that agape love that it does not envy. Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. If we can't, uh, we can't do that. If we can't rejoice at someone else's uh, blessings, 
and uh, good things that have happened for them. And perhaps we're guilty of that uh, of that jealousy. Yeah, and, and that, a loving person, a person with agape love, is going to rejoice at the success of the person that he loves. Exactly. All right. Um, still in verse four. Let's let's grab one. Now, another one. Go ahead. Now, Dwight and Michelle out in Iowa have sent in this comment: God is a jealous God. He wants people to follow Him. Now, are we talking about the same kind of jealousy? I think that that's probably a different usage of terminology i don't know of course uh i don't know uh, dwight if you think of it look up a reference for me and we'll see if we got the same word there but even if it is in this sense uh, god is jealous but he's he's a jealous god he wants our undivided uh devotion and service because but he, he he wants that because he knows it's in our best interest when we do that so I, I wouldn't think that it's the same application of terminology as the jealous people who obviously caused Jesus to be crucified. At, at, at a very minimum, if it's not a different word, it's a different well, contextual usage. That uh, description of God's found in the Old Testament. <coughs> so not going to use Greek words for that. But, um, uh, yeah, but it, uh, interesting. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. All right, so... Moving on, in, in still in verse four. <coughs> now you got me. <laughs> What's going on in here, Kyle? Are you all right? Take that away, Kyle. No, First uh, Corinthians thirteen, verse four. <coughs> the next phrase is, "Love does not brag." <coughs> yeah, love does not brag. That's a huge problem in our day and time. Uh, and we have talked before, Jacob. I think social media has exaggerated. This character flaw in people. <clears throat> Social media is a lot about bragging, bragging about my own accomplishments, bragging about the accomplishments of my my immediate family. <clears throat> I just I don't get it. I honestly I mean, I, I need to praise my wife, my children, my grandchildren. I need to do that directly to them face to face. I need to praise my brethren. I need to praise Kyle, but I don't need to. I don't need to brag about my myself or my family or my close friends to the world at large on social media. Uh, that's not an indication of love, uh, <clears throat> but especially bragging about myself is not agape love. You know, you hear about people and the anxiety and the emotional problems that, that social media are causing because they see everyone around them bragging about you know how perfect their life is and how wonderful their job is and their family's perfect and and it causes a lot of anxiety and you can see how bragging or boasting is the opposite of the agape love that we should have because when I'm doing that I'm actually hurting the other person well when I'm bragging it's about me agape right. love right. is about the other person yeah. yeah right if I go bragging to Kyle I got the best job in the world and I'm how does that make Kyle feel about his? You know, it's hurtful to Kyle when I brag. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, uh, Proverbs 27, verse 2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. Pretty good advice. <clears throat> Again, agape love is putting the interest of the other person above myself, and that sort of makes sense then. That we would not brag if yeah. we're demonstrating agape love. Kent says bragging, uh, love does not brag. It is love does not engage in self-glorification. I think that's right. Thank you, Kent. Good way to say it. And then let's finish verse 4 before we get our break. 
the last phrase in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, New American Standard Version says that love is not arrogant. It's interesting that those two terms go right together, does not brag in, and is not arrogant. The arrogant person has an, what we might call an inflated sense of his own personal worth and, and, and achievements. Uh, uh, he's full of pride. And, and we know this. We know this for a fact. If you're around an arrogant person or if, if you ever slip and act in an arrogant way, usually that results in rude treatment of the other person. I'm proud. I'm actually better than you. I'm arrogant. I'm going to talk down to you. Um, uh, that uh, is certainly not putting you in the position of the object of my agape love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> all right. Um, love is not arrogant. Kit says exaggerate one's self-worth. Uh, and so uh, that's the idea here. Um the King James and the New King James say love is not puffed up, and you sort of get that idea of that. Uh, <coughs> that and that's really a great word picture. Uh, yeah, you get the idea of that rooster walking around in the chicken yard with his, his chest all sticking out, thinking about you know what a big bad uh, guy he is, and you see people doing the same the, uh, as well. Proverbs sixteen eighteen: Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So this arrogance is actually a self destructive thing. So it, it actually. It accomplishes bad. In other words, I'm not good to the other person if I'm arrogant, but I end up doing things that destroy myself. It's it's a lose-lose. All right. We'll get a break, get this week's bullet point, and to get your thoughts on the other side. We're going to pick up there in verse 5 as we look at other things about love. Again, this is a command. Uh, Jesus tells us to agape other people, John 13, 34. Are you fulfilling that? Uh, you do some evaluation and look at the characteristics of that and the traits that your life will possess if you're doing that, like Jesus says uh, that you should be agaping your fellow man. We'll continue that discussion right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. Many are concerned, and with reasonable cause, about the incoming presidential administration and the newly elected Congress. Will their economic policies help or hurt the working man? And what about their views on national security? Will our country be at risk from foreign enemies and terrorists? What will they do in handling the current pandemic? All of these questions and a host of others are on the minds of concerned citizens. Actually, for those who fear God, the greatest concern should be about rules that will affect morality. Will the new president, the prevailing powers in Congress, or prospective appointees to the judiciary enact laws and regulations that promote abortion? Will they further act to normalize same-sex marriage? Will our ability to speak and teach on such subjects be restricted and persecuted? These and similar moral issues are causing great apprehension for God's people. Whatever our concerns may be, the scriptures provide wisdom and comfort. Never forget that first-century Christians were living under the rule of one of the most corrupt governments that ever existed. These Christians were instructed, and so are we, to pray for civil authorities, 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. They were taught, and so are we, to obey the laws they enact and demonstrate honor to the position of authority they hold. 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 17. Obedience, quote, to the powers that be, unquote, is necessary, quote, for conscience sake, unquote. Romans 13, verses 1 and 5. In other words, failing in these matters will make us accountable to God. 
The great caveat to our submission to civil government is this, quote, we ought to obey God rather than men, unquote, Acts 5, verse 29. We must teach the lost, condemn sin, assemble to worship, and live righteously, even if our newly elected governmental leaders, or anyone else for that matter, tell us that we cannot. Serious challenges potentially lie ahead for God's people. But even in the face of tribulation, the Lord gave this promise, quote, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life, unquote. Revelation 2, verse 10. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Hunter. I'm 11 years old, and I love listening to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. I think that quote, that, that, little, that little spot from Hunter is about 15 years old. It is, I think. <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. Uh, we need to give a shout-out to Phil up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, listening to us tonight. Phil is. Yeah, yeah glad to... Glad to hear that Phil's out there tonight. Uh, we'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by looking at uh, our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Find out uh, past programs and uh, various discussions on various topics and put your suggestion in there. Throw it in the hat. Uh, maybe you already know the que- answer to the question that you might want discussed on the program, or maybe you, you really are struggling with what the Bible teaches on a various topic. Uh, let us know. Questions at collegeview.com. Kyle, find out more about uh, the College View Church of Christ at collegeview.com and uh, watch some streaming that you got going up there. Yeah, of course. Which uh, got some really good studies going on. Uh, uh, we're continuing our uh, yeah teaches in wisdom was it uh, wisdom literature on wisdom sunday literature morning on sunday and morning. book of acts on wednesday night yeah. and that book of acts we've it's going on a year close to it uh, yeah, well we started that when we march, when we yeah. got locked down in march yeah. and so right. we're coming up on a year we might get done before that year yeah. is up i think we're, we're moving pretty fast Good now toward, in the last chapters of acts all right we're talking about love uh yeah check that out uh, kyle makes it look good uh check it out uh collegeview.com uh we're talking about love on the program tonight and uh looking at the characteristics that first corinthians 13 say will be in our life if we have the type of love that God wants us to have for our fellow man. Yeah. Oh, by the way, real quickly, Dwight has has, has found in uh, uh, God is a jealous God, Exodus thirty four fourteen. That's uh, and so that's a Hebrew word. I did a quick search and couldn't find any uh, distinct definition there that would help us on that. But I uh, I think we all understand that there's no attribute of God that's bad, and so God being a jealous God is not a bad attribute. Whereas what we have defined here uh, about agape love, agape love is not jealous. So jealousy in this context is a bad attribute. The jealousy that God possesses for us is a good attribute. So there's uh, obviously a tremendous difference. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 says there's such a thing as a godly jealousy. Paul was yeah. jealous over them. So there's, there, there, there are some different angles to that that yeah. we probably should explore, but yeah. certainly not a sinful jealousy. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right, so we're moving quickly into verse 5, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Love does not act unbecomingly. Uh, I like that word, you know, uh, and we don't use this kind of terminology too often in modern English usage, but I think people still understand it. So, so your wife puts on a new dress, and you might say, that's very becoming. That's, that's, an, that's an old kind of an expression, but it would still be understood it makes you look good. Mm-hmm. So so you tell your wife, that's very becoming on you. That makes you look good. Well, unbecoming makes you look bad. Uh, and, and so, so love does not act 
unbecomingly in a way to look bad. You know, sometimes these days we talk about someone who that's just bad form. What he did is just that's just bad form. Usually we mean it's bad manners. He 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 acts like a well, could we say it just plainly? He acts like a jerk. Mm, and yeah. and so a person who has agape love for the other person is not going to act that way toward him. Yeah, Kent says that uh, he is not act improperly or uh, acting unbecoming. Be acting improperly. Okay, but but get this. <clears throat> I think I think the literal meaning of to to be becoming means to make you look good. You look good when you do this. So I want to act toward my my brother who I love with agape love. I don't want to act toward him in such a way that makes me look bad. I want to act toward him in such a way that people would look at me and think that's he, he's done a fine thing there. I'm not doing it for that praise. We just talked about not being braggadocious or or uh, arrogant. But by the same token, I should act in such. I, I wouldn't want to act in such a way that people say, "Man, that Greg, he's he's a bad he's a bad person." Mm-hmm. I don't want to make myself look bad. I, uh, and so, and if I show agape love, I do not look bad. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, the next phrase is. Love does not seek its own. Mm. That's a pretty good one, especially That's in our day and time. Yes, We live in the me generation. It's uh-huh. all about me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Someone defined this expression, not egocentric. But that simply means it's not about me. Um, we could take the time to go to Philippians chapter 2, the description of Jesus, uh, who was absolutely not seeking his own. Uh, Look at that just briefly. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus certainly was not seeking his own. Nothing about Jesus' existence on on the earth was uh, uh, to to benefit himself. That's what verse four of that passage, right in front of uh, the description of Jesus. This is how it looks in our life. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That's yeah. what love does, and that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus, Jesus did. of course, Jesus is the perfect perfect example of all things. He's the perfect example of agape love. Yeah, it's, you think about that. I mean, and, and putting that in, in John thirteen thirty four says that we're to love others as he loved us. And that means that there's really nothing that my fellow man could need that I would withhold. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm looking out for uh, not only my interest and my needs, but his as well. I think you're right. All right. The next one, still in 1 Corinthians thirteen five, love is not provoked. And I really like the King James version there because it adds the word easily, is not easily provoked. Uh, this would this would tie back to the very first thing we discussed, patient. One of the attributes of agape love is patience and not easily provoked. You use the expression, a patient person has a long fuse. Mm-hmm. This would be the opposite. A person who is provoked or easily provoked has a short fuse. Uh or maybe another expression we use, he walks around with a chip on his shoulder. 
You're just waiting for somebody to knock it off. Yep. Uh, and and so uh, again, I, I I think certainly an area I can work on. Let your fuse grow longer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be patient. Be not easily provoked. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul said, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, let's talk about that for a minute, because some might say, well, you know, that's just the way I am. You know, I got a sort of a, I got a hair trigger. Um, I got a short fuse. I, I, you know, stuff gets under my skin that doesn't get under I've your had, skin. I've had people who have a bad uh, anger problem who lose their temper easily, saying, that's just the way I am. You'll just have to understand that's just the way I am. No, we can't, we can't understand that. We can't accept it because you're actually rejecting the instruction of scriptures when you act that way. Now, there are personalities that are wound tighter than others. I mean, sure. there's some things sure. that, that might bother me that you don't, you don't even, that even phase you. But yeah. I've got to learn how to manage that and control that and, yeah. and have the love that would cause me to be uh, not easily So maybe provoked. we challenge one another uh, and all of our listeners work on make it, getting a longer fuse. We need a longer fuse. Mm, okay. okay. Uh, uh, Kent says that love is not easily stirred up from a negative perspective. Okay. Thank you, Kent. All right. Next one is a longer phrase, and this concludes verse 5. We're going to have to hurry up here, Jacob. We'll run out of time. Okay. Love does not take into account a wrong suffer, suffered. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Yep. Um I understand that the word account, as you might guess, is actually in the Greek an accounting term, a bookkeeping kind of term. Yeah. And so what this is actually saying is that a person with agape love is not keeping a, a list, a record. He's not t- he's not keeping a diary. This is the third time that you have done that to me this week. Yeah. That's yeah. not agape love. We've all done that. Yeah. We have, unfortunately, we have done that. Um, and maybe we do it more often with those that are closest to us. But we need to be aware of, of the danger. I've, I've known of wives who actually kept a written log of the, of the wrongs that their husbands had done to them. I've known of Christians. I don't know if I've known a Christian who actually kept a written log. But I've known Christians who certainly had in their mind a long list going yeah. way back yeah. of things that this other person had done to them. We got to we got to be careful. We got to be careful of keeping yeah. track, keeping records. I've known of I've known of Christians who actually wrote diaries down uh, about things that others had done. It's absolutely wrong. Okay. All right. All right. Verse six. Verse six. We'll ca- we're going to catch this one all in one phrase. The whole verse in one phrase. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. Um, Kent okay. does not about, about taking account. Kent says does not hold grudges. That's a simple way to boil that down. Okay. Good. All good, right. Good. Thank you, Kent. So does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Uh, now again, you, you got to remember that agape love is is always interested in the well being of others. So I cannot have be hap, having agape love if I rejoice when evil prevails. In other words, I do not rejoice in unrighteousness. I'm not happy. It does not please me. I'm not pleased. I am not rejoicing when I see unrighteousness being. Enacted, being promoted, being engaged in. I'm not rejoicing. When people do bad things, it should not make me happy. I should take no satisfaction 
And I, you know, I've actually, you know, well, maybe a good example. We've got a little ad that we run on the virtual Bible study. I shouldn't take satisfaction in, I shouldn't be entertained by watching other people do evil things. Yep. I think as, I think there's a lot of Christians who do that. You know, when, by virtue of the movies that they attend or even the television shows that they watch, they may be taking joy. They may be being entertained, rejoicing in unrighteousness. No, because that means that the people who produced that, the people who acted it out, were actually sinning. How could I rejoice in seeing them sin? If I, if I have any concern for them at all, I would want them to stop doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Here's another angle on it from Kent. Um, Love does not rejoice in wrong acts committed by others or disasters others receive, but rather rejoices in truth, the truth of God. And that's the idea. Sometimes we're tempted to, oh, he really messed up. Oh, that's good. He deserved that. He does. I thought he always. You know. I always suspected that he was that sort of a person. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Or it'll make me look better if he. Ends I'm up, not surprised yeah. that yeah. he. You know. And yeah. so I take some sort of sadistic satisfaction in the fact that this brother has shown an evil attitude or deed, and 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 he's suffering because of it. I'm, I'm rejoicing in his unrighteousness. Yeah. No way. All right. All right. <clears throat> Dwight and Michelle say in the chat room, I would rather one tell me the truth, even if it hurts, rather than telling me something that I want to hear. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. Thanks, Dwight. Or uh, Michelle. Or, or Michelle. Dwight and Michelle. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're we're quickly moving into, oh, we need to take a break. Let's take our last break. We got uh, verses 7 and then 8, and then we got one question to cover in our We're going to move segment. fast on the other side. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Warning, this is to make you aware of a disorder plaguing American and the metro area, BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Many people are not getting enough Bible in their daily lives. Are you? Answer the following questions to see if you might be suffering from BDD. Do you answer spiritual questions by saying, I think, instead of the Bible says? Do you depend on religious authors and pastors to tell you what to believe? When Benny Hinn says, this is your day for a miracle, do you believe him? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you might be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to fighting BDD by teaching the Bible. We focus on Christ by following his word. Don't succumb to BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Fight it by joining us for Bible study on Sunday at 9.30 a.m., and Wednesday at 7 p.m. As long as there is breath in your body, it is not too late to fight Bible deficit disorder. We'll see you this Sunday at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Nearly two-thirds of Americans are stressed out by thinking about the future of the United States, according to a new survey. About 63% of survey respondents cited the country's future as a very or somewhat significant source of stress. of respondents said they consider this the lowest point in American history that they can personally remember. And that included poll participants who had lived through World War II, the Vietnam War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and the September 11 terrorist attacks. That information is via WebMD.com. The Word of God says in Hebrews 13, beginning verse 5, He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. 
For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about love and the characteristics of love that should be present in our life. All right, so we're we're going to move quickly here, trying to wrap up this this beautiful description of agape love in First Corinthians thirteen verses four. Through and we eight. just talked about love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. And Lou in Minnesota is breaking off a uh, it looks like a German word to me here, Schadenfreude, enjoyment obtained from the suffering of others. Yeah, I think that's exactly the idea, Lou. And and, and if we love others. With agape love, we will not do that. Very good. Thanks. No more big words in the chat room, Luke. That's your, your, yeah, yeah, your, you've reached your quote. Yeah, that's, that's all you can put in there tonight. I appreciate that comment. Uh, all right. So, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Love, love bears all things. Now, this is interesting because I understand that literally this expression, bears all things, denotes something that's on top of something else. And it could have two uses. It could... It could refer to something that's being on top of a pillar. In other words, the pillar is holding this thing up. So love bears all things. Love supports. Uh, uh, maybe you think about your brother who's who's struggling. If you have agape love and you bear all things, you, you serve as a support to mm-hmm. hold him up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it also could have reference to a roof or a covering. It's over the top. And so you think of, Maybe sheltering people from things that are hurtful to them. That's interesting. So bears all things, kind of an interesting expression. Yeah, I like that. Uh, You are, you are holding up or protecting the other person. Excellent. Here's what uh, Kent says. He says conceals common faults or weaknesses of others. The exception to this would be exposing that which is harmful or false doctrine. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe there's a a weakness that you have, and I help uh, help you with that or help you overcome that. Maybe. Okay. The next one is love believes all things. Uh, now, here we're going to have to maybe do a little explaining. Love believes all things. The, a synonym here for this would be love manifests trust. But I don't think that it means that we must be gullible. Uh, for instance, it, it, it cannot be taken absolutely. Love believes all things. The skeptic says that Mary was not a virgin when Jesus was born. Well, I guess I just have to believe that because I'm told to believe all things. No, that's that that would be a clear misapplication of the statement here. This For, is the idea. I think this is more the idea of gives the benefit of the doubt. Not not in other words concerning this brother whom I love with agape love, I am not ready to believe the worst about him without Without some overwhelming evidence that would, would would prove it's true, and so I think this is a really important expression because I've, I've known of Christians who have failed in this badly. Christians who are willing to believe the worst about another brother or sister in Christ at the first hint, uh, someone says, "Let me tell you about this person." Says, oh yeah, I believe that. I believe it. No, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to say, "I know him. I know her." That's not the person I know. I'm going to go check with them about that. And so believes all things, not gullible, uh, uh, giving the benefit of the doubt, not willing to believe the worst without overwhelming evidence. Here's Kent. He says, we demonstrate love by not be- by believing 
we do not demonstrate love by believing that which is false. We do demonstrate love by refusing to impute false motives. Good. I think that's good. Yes, the next one, um, in verse 7, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, love hopes all things. Clearly a synonym for this would be uh, optimistic. Uh, agape love is optimistic. It is the opposite of concerning this person. Now, this is this this person. We keep talking about this uh, uh hypothetical person that I'm supposed to be demonstrating agape love. If if I hope all things, I would never say about him, he's never going to make it. Uh, he, he's doomed to fail. Instead, I would say, with God's help and mine, he can make it. Optimistic. Hopes all things. Um uh, as someone said on the scale of pessimism and optimism, we should err on the side of optimism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kent says that that means you desire the best. Yeah. Hope all things desire what's best. The next one, love endures all things. Uh, so this, this it, it, it's an enduring, agape love is an enduring thing. Uh, you don't give up easily. You, you, you're not easily discouraged i i love you with an agape love and we may hit some bumps in the road and our relationship may be strained at times but i'm i i am going to this love that i have for you is going to endure it endures all things uh here's what kent says such does not mean that we are to fellowship sinful things it does however mean that we are to strive to love all individuals the same way okay all right. Thank you for that, Ken. And then finally, the last expression in this great description of agape love uh, in verse eight, love never fails. Uh, so it just keeps on keeping on, never gives up. Such prompts an individual how to act, remembering that such is an eternal essence, Kent says. Ah, that love never fails. So love, uh, other things will fail, but love will endure and, and it is an eternal essence. So we'll, love will endure in heaven. Good. Very right. good. Okay. All right, so uh, I really think that all of us will or do not, well. I, I love endures in heaven. God is love, so yeah, there's yeah. love in heaven. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, there in First Corinthians, I, I, in First Corinthians thirteen, it mentions now abideth these three: faith, that's right, hope, charity. But the greatest of these is charity. That's right. Because faith and hope will end will in eternity, end but the, charity yeah, will endure right. at the end of the world. That's right. All right. Um, I think we would all do well to just periodically read that text and, and meditate on each phrase in it. We'd yeah. be better. We'd be way better people yep. uh, for doing so. Absolutely. So it's it's a, a pretty good self-improvement exercise to study about the, this description in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 of genuine love. I called it in our a title of our program night, Characteristics of Genuine Love. There it is. There, I mean, uh, it lines out everything. It's a, it's, I, I really believe that's a great categorical listing of the attributes of genuine love. And I do think we need to spend time thinking about it and spend time thinking about the fact that it is a command. It's not a suggestion or it's a good thing. No, it's a command, just like any other command that I would, you know, not to steal, not to kill, always tell the truth. Um, love is a command, and I need to be working on that. Yeah. Uh, John asked the question... Um, uh, how did he word that there in First John 4, verse 20? If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? 
And this commandment have we from him that he that he who loveth God love his brother also. All right. All right. Finally, we last got, question. Uh, well, I asked the question: what, Does agape love, does genuine love, cause me to overlook my brother's faults? Now, I kind of worded that intentionally with a little catch to it. Oh. Some faults I ought to overlook if I have agape love for him because I'm patient. I'm not easily provoked. I'm not envious. I'm, uh, uh, you know, all, all, all those things that we talked about, uh, um, I, I don't take into account a wrong. Story. So you didn't, you had a party and you didn't invite me. And it kind of hurt my feelings that you didn't invite me, but it's not a sin. And I should just let that pass. I, I, I should not be provoked about mm-hmm. that, you know. Uh, uh, and so, you know, maybe it was bad form on your part that you, you know, you, that you slighted me, but you didn't sin against me. And so agape love would actually cause me to overlook that fault. See what I'm saying? Now, that's maybe a bad example, but you can think there are some faults that are not sinful, not sinful faults that we ought to overlook because we have agape love. We ought to be willing to overlook that sort of thing. Okay. But oh, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish well, it out. I, I was going to say when sin's involved, it's a whole nother uh, uh, thing. Okay. That's along the lines of what Kent said. I was going to read him. He says, obviously, we cannot lose awareness of what constitutes a genuine fault or wrongdoing. However, we can develop an attitude of being long-suffering and patient, realizing that none of us are totally without faults. We should be we should be willing to assist others in overcoming their own faults, as well as correcting our own. Galatians six verse one. Yeah. So I guess Kent says first categorize what is a sin and what's not, and if it's not a sin, then overlook it. If yeah. it is a sin, then be proactive and try and help. Yeah. Galatians six verse one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. All right, now this is a sinful fault. What do you do? Well, I love him, and therefore I'm not going to do anything about it. No. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so uh, it, love actually requires me to try to correct you if the, right. if the fault is a sinful fault. Right. Uh, and so um, what, what would be the loving thing to do then? Here's my brother, and I see him, and he's actually allowed himself to become engaged in sinful activity. And I love him. I love him with agape love. I love him sacrificially i want what's best for him even if it even if it puts me out or even if it costs me something i'm going to go to him i'm going to go to him with the recognition of the fact that my going to him could cost me his friendship he might get so mad at me that that he'll never want to have anything to do with me again it might cost me a friend a relationship but his spiritual well-being is more important than that and so i'm willing to sacrifice that or at least take the risk of sacrificing that because i'm going to go to him and try to correct him in this sin that he's engaged in that's agape love all right all right um 
Yeah, it's lots of things to think about here tonight. Kyle, um, you've been listening. Uh, we haven't gone to you tonight, but, uh, boy, there's a lot of things to do some self-inventorying on here. Yeah, especially just uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ and our families. Make sure that the love we're giving and we're giving the love that we're receiving and make sure that we take stock of what we're doing to make sure everybody else feels that they're loved from us and if to have some discussions, maybe that there are some things going on we need to talk about with other brethren. If we're not feeling that we're receiving that love that we should be here, a brotherly love that needs to be open and talked about and without pride. So, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but very much so. We one of those attributes was uh, does not seek its own. I shouldn't be so worried about. Mm. I haven't been. It, Things haven't been done for me like I want them done. You know, uh, sadly, there are some Christians that it's all about what's been done for me lately. Agape love should cause me now to ever even think that way. It's not about me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Lots of things to think about there and uh, good discussion, Dad. Thanks for uh, your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Hey, Kyle, thanks for being here. Enjoyed being with you. Good. Good stuff. And uh, thank you for being on the other end of the line. We're glad that you joined us. And again, welcome you to contact us anytime. Questions at collegeu.com. Hope you make plans to be back at this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.